Alright, alright, okay, okay, what is up everybody? It's All Day Talks Facts right here. <clears throat> Gonna spit some facts. Like always, of course, hope you guys are doing great on this uh, hot Saturday afternoon. You know, I know I am. I just got back from a long walk. I'm pretty fucking sweaty. You know, I should probably be inside, but fuck it. I'm hydrated, so I'm good. So, enough about me. Hope you guys, hope you guys are doing great. This is going to be a two-part episode right here. We're going to review AEW Dynamite from Wednesday, and we're going to re- and we're gonna review AEW Rampage from last night. That was the debuting show of AEW Rampage. It was really good. I really enjoyed it, you know. You know, only being a one-hour show. I kind of wish it was two hours, but one hour's... One, one hour's... Wow. One hour's fine. In my opinion. I think it is. You know, it's nice. And I thought Dynamite on Wednesday was good. So we'll start off with Dynamite, of course. So the first match of the night was between the elite AEW World Heavyweight Champion Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, the AEW World Tag Team Champions, Matt and Nick Jackson. They took on the Seidel brothers, Matt and Mike Seidel, and one half of top flight, Dante Martin. And I got to say, the MVP of this match was easily, and I mean easily, Dante Martin. Dante Martin, who's a 20-year-old kid who's one year younger than I am, put on the showing of a lifetime. Like, this kid's been used pretty good recently. Ever since his brother uh, Darius has been out. And hope that he's doing well right now. Hopefully we'll see him back in the ring pretty soon. You know, Dante been put on Matt, has been in the ring with, you know, Miro for the TNT title. That was Miro's first TNT title defense. And, you know, Dante Morgan got to wrestle Matt Seidel recently. And they put on a good match. And he did great in this trios match. He was great. He is going to be a huge star in this company. He's a great high flyer. You know, of course, you know, people aren't going to want to see him do high-flying stuff, you know, constantly every match. You want to see him do other things. That's what Matt Seidel changed about his game. You know, well, he wasn't all about, like, high-flying. He did other moves as well. You know, we've seen that more of Seidel in AEW, you know, become more of a technical high-flyer, you know, in a way. You know, you bring in Brian Danielson, who's going to be in AEW pretty soon. He could teach Dante the ropes. Could easily do that. Could easily train him to be a technical high flyer. And I'd be down to see that. But he did really good in this match. Like, this kid is so talented. You know, the youth in AEW is amazing. Like Dante Martin and Darius Martin. Like Jungle Boy, Darby Allen, Daniel Garcia, MJF, Sammy Guevara. You know, there's other names in there, you know, that I'm forgetting. In the male division, obviously the women's division is a lot of great young talent like Red Velvet and Chris Statlander and Allie and Penelope Ford. You know, there's so much talent right there. There's so much. You just, you love to see it. And Fuego Del Sol on the men's side, we'll get to him later on. It was a really good six-man, you know, I keep calling six-man tag. It's a trios match in AEW's terms. I want to use it correctly, obviously. Um... You know, but they really used Dante Martin a lot against Kenny, which was really cool. Like, Kenny was really putting him over with a lot of his shit right there. Like, Kenny made him look really good, especially the Young Bucks, too. They made him look really good. So that was that was really special right there to see Dante, you know, get put over, even though they didn't get put over the Seidel's and Dante Martin, because the Elite got the win, and they destroyed Dante Martin at the end. After Kenny Omega was hitting with V-Trigger to V-Trigger to V-Trigger, he finally hit Dante with a one-winged angel, and then they hit a whole BTE trigger 
Entente. That was it. One, two, three. The Elite gets a W. Great match. Great match to off Dynamite. Very good. Very exciting. So it's all about right there. You know, most of the opening matches AEW does is exciting. That's how you want to start off a show. You want to get the crowd hot. You don't want to start off bad and the crowd's kind of like in the middle where it's like, okay, like that match was whatever. No, you got to start off with a great match. And that was a great match. If Pittsburgh was hot for Dynamite and for Rampage. Well, you know, I expected it for Rampage. It's the first ever show that they're doing, obviously. So, of course, the crowd's going to be hot. But then, you know, Don Callis grabbed the mic, and then Christian Cage came right out. He brought back up in the Jurassic Express. They cut the commercial. They come right back. And I forgot to mention, during the Elite's entrance, they announced that at All Out, it'll be Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the AEW world title. And I saw a lot of people upset about this. Well, one, Hangman is with his wife right now because she's giving birth. I don't know if it, if it already happened or if she's due pretty soon. And wish the best to Hangman and his and I wish the best to Hangman and his and, I'm like, I can't even speak today. I wish the best to Hangman and his wife. You know, and it brings in more, you know, long-term storytelling. Because we already know Hangman's gonna be the guy to beat Kenny for the AEW world title. That should be that that should already be known. That's gonna happen. It should already be known, guys. I mean, like, seriously? Come on. You guys should know that by now. But then Christian Cage said part of that deal is on Friday for AW Rampage, Kenny Omega will face Christian Cage, but it'll be for the Impact Wrestling World Championship. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, and then Jungle Boy announced at Jurassic Express, him and himself and uh, Luchasaurus are going to face the Yum Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team titles next week on Dynamite. So I'm like, oh, okay, Jurassic Express getting a title shot. They're the number one ranked. They're getting a title shot on Dynamite. It's going to be a rematch from All Out from last year where the Young Bucks won. So does Jurassic Express get revenge, and do they actually win the tag team titles? I mean, that would be nice. And Jungle Boy's been in a lot of big matches, but he hasn't won the big matches. Himself and Luchasaurus, they lost last year to the Young Bucks at All Out, like I just mentioned. Jungle Boy lost to Cody Rhodes months prior to that for the TNT title. You know, and lost to Darby Allen for the TNT title. Lost to Kenny Omega for the world title. I mean, Jungle Boy's been in a lot of big matches. He just can't seem to win them. When it comes to a championship, I should say. But maybe this time it'll be different. Because I wouldn't mind seeing him and Luchasaurus as tag team champions. I want to see it. But I still think Santana and Ortiz are going to be the guys to beat uh, the Unbucks. I think it's still going to be them. Because you got, the, you know, the big, you know... Dynamite uh, Grand Slam show coming up next month at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, and it just it, it's perfect for Santana Ortiz to win the tag team titles. But we'll see though. If Jurassic Express wins, I'll be happy. Be very happy for them. More happy for Jungle Boy. Now I like Luke Stars, but I'm a huge fan of Jungle Boy. So now we'll see how that turns out. But now we get to the next match between Darby Allen and Daniel Garcia. And Daniel Garcia in 2.0 really impressed me last week when they took on. Darby Allen, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley in the trios match. Because I never seen these guys wrestle at all. So they really impressed me. Daniel Garcia, like I mentioned, a young, talented guy. He's 22, just a year older than me. And he's very talented. You know, he's a great technical wrestler, and him and Darby Allen put on a really good match. And so Daniel Garcia wrestled like six matches like in the last seven days before the match with Darby. So like, he's just been staying fresh in the ring, which is something like this kid is good. Like this kid cares about his craft right here. He's not taking any breaks. He doesn't care. 
And that's good. That's good right there. You know, he wants to stay, you know, he doesn't want to be rusty at all. Because this is a big stage right here, you know. Now you're on Dynamite again, but this time it's a singles match. And you're facing a future world champion in Darby Allin. One of the best wrestlers in AEW. My favorite wrestler in AEW. And they put on a really good match. You know, I low-key wanted Garcia to win. It would have been nice for him, but... You know, Darby Allen got the win, which I wasn't upset about because that's my guy right there. I'm not going to get mad at my guy winning. You know, I feel like Garcia could have won. If it was Garcia versus anybody else, maybe like a mid-card kind of guy, then he probably would have won. Then, you know, that probably would have made sense. Like, okay, whatever. But him and Darby put on a really good match. And after the match, 2.0 went after Darby Allen. Sting was having none of it. He went after them. Gave a suplex to one of them on the fucking ramp. And I was like, jeez. Okay, so there's unfinished business there. So that was pretty good. And now we get to the next trios match between Orange Cassidy, Willie Uta, and Chuck Taylor versus the HFO, Matt Hardy, and Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy, and Mark Quinn. See, I got a problem with the HFO in a way. I feel like Private Party, they shouldn't be heels. Because they don't scream heels to me. They scream baby faces. You know what I mean? They're a lot like the Hardy Boys in a way. They're very athletic. You know, do they have the same type of charisma as the Hardy Boys? That remains to be seen. They're still very young. That's a very young tag team right there. What I'm trying to say is, I mean, yeah, the Hardys were, were heels when they started off in the WWE. And they eventually became babyfaces and they stayed as babyfaces when they were, were a tag team. They were never heels as a tag team again until they went to uh, TNA, like a... You know, 20, it was like 2011 when Matt Hardy got there and Jeff was already there. That's the time I loved TNA, but let's not get into the whole thing about TNA because then I'll be here for days fucking talking about Hogan and Bischoff ruining TNA because I, I used to love TNA. Let's, just not, let's not get into it, though. <laughs> I'm going to try not to because, fuck, now it's like on my mind. Shit. It's like, it's like the hatred I have for Hogan and Bischoff ruining TNA as much as the hatred Jim Cornette has for fucking Vince Russo and or Kevin Dunn and, and et cetera, et cetera. And Dairy Queen. So let me let me chill out a little bit. Oh, okay, okay. So back to back to the trios match. Oh my gosh. I thought it was a fun match. You know, everybody knows I'm a big you know Orange Cassidy fan. Yeah, I feel like we're gonna I feel like we're gonna get a match between him and Matt Hardy pretty soon, which I wouldn't mind. I think they could put on a decent singles match. You know, it, it would be nice. I'm sure Matt would put him over just like Jericho did twice. You know, eventually Cassidy's gonna win a title. I know people. some people don't like Cassidy. That's fine. That's very fine. It's just not your style of wrestling. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. You're allowed to have that opinion. You know, but... We'll see what happens, though. It was a good trios match, like I said. You know, I enjoyed it. Chuck Taylor did pretty good in this match. I like Willie Uta. It would have been nice to see Willie Uta get a win in this match, but we'll get to that in just a second. You know, we did see Nyla Rose... Get involved because Chris Statlander was outside there with the best friends out there for the best friends, and Isla Rose attacked her because they had a you know they're having a match a little bit after that, and then Jack Evans got involved a couple times going after Cassidy, and they distracted the referee, and then Matt Hardy hit the twist of fate on Wheeler Yuta one two three. The HFO gets the win, and it was a big win for the HFO because they haven't won in so long. Like Matt Hardy hadn't won a match in so long on Dynamite. And same for Private Party and The Blade and Alley and Evans and Helico. You know, those guys hadn't won, like, so long on Dynamite. It's, like, about time they finally won. 
you know, even though I want to see Wheeler Yuta win, so maybe they'll actually do Matt Hardy versus Wheeler Yuta. Because Matt Hardy pinned him. So maybe it's going to lead to a match between those two and Wheeler Yuta gets a big win over Matt. Because Matt's a future Hall of Famer. So that's big right there. If Wheeler Yuta could beat Matt Hardy, that would be huge for his career. It would be huge right there. But it was a fun trios match. And like I said, I enjoyed it. And then we went backstage and we saw Andrade with Chavo and the other guy that stands behind him. Um, and before, actually before I forgot to mention, we did see Death Triangle backstage. And, you know, Ray Phoenix and Penta were talking about Andrade. And Penta wants, you know, first shots at Andrade. And Pac said, I'll worry about Andrade. You guys worry about getting the AEW World Tag Team Championships because you guys deserve gold around your waist. So Pac's kind of given, like, the Lucha Bros... Like, Andrade's advice. You know, because Andrade's right. The Lucha Bros deserve to win the tag team titles. They deserve gold around their waist. So, Pac is right. Well, Andrade's right. And Pac's just following the advice. Pac said, you know, he'll take care of Andrade. And then Chavo Guerrero said, you know, Pac, Andrade will show you who the boss is at All Out. And it's official at All Out. It'll be Andrade versus Pac. And now, these are two guys right here that were underutilized in the WWE. And let me tell you why. Not in NXT, though. Not in NXT. In NXT, when Pac was Neville, or I could say when he was Adrian Neville, and when Andrade was Andrade Cien Almas, they both had great runs in NXT. Like when Neville, well, I'm saying like when he was Neville. Like when Pac was Neville, when he was there from like beginning like 2012 to like, or I think he was there in 2012, I believe, or 2013 to 2015, he had a great run. He won the NXT Championship from, I'm trying to remember who he won it from. Um, I believe he beat Bo Dallas for it. Was it Bo Dallas? I believe it was him that he uh, that he won it from. Had a great run, put on a lot of great matches. He did drop it to Sami Zayn eventually. And, Sam, you know, that was nice for Sami. We you know, you know Sami lost a couple months later to Kevin Owens. But then, you know, Pac, as Neville goes up to the main roster... I mean, other than his great run as Cruiserweight Champion, there's nothing else to really remember. I mean, other than him almost beating Seth Rollins for the WWE title weeks before SummerSlam 2015, he was so close. Like, just imagine if they would have given, if they would have given him the title. It would have been crazy. Crowd wanted it after that. It just seemed like he never really could find himself after that. Other than when he went to the Cruiserweight division, when he turned heel, and he had a great run as Cruiserweight Champion, but you could just tell he wasn't really over with the crowd anymore. They were just like, eh, with him. It was a shame. And Andrade, who has the only five-star match in NXT history with Johnny Gargano at NXT TakeOver Philly 2018, he gets called to the main roster. Other than winning the United States Championship and his great matches with Rey Mysterio, what else do they remember about Andrade in the WWE? Other than NXT, you know, I'm talking about like his main roster run. What else do they remember? Nothing else. There's really nothing else. So to see these two guys headline a pay-per-view in AEW, it's going to be awesome. And Andrade might win the Triple H Championship tonight from Kenny Omega. We'll see what happens. You know, it's going to be really great to see these guys, you know, headline a pay-per-view. <laughs> it would have been nice to see these two guys headline a pay-per-view in the WWE, but no. Fucking, you think Vince, Vince would put these... Vince would put these two guys on the fucking pre-show. Please. He would put these two guys on the pre-show. He would not put them on the main show. Unless it was for the WWE title or the Universal title. 
Then they would get on the main show. Obviously. But he would put these two on the pre-show and be like, eh. That's just how it would be. You want to say I'm wrong? Okay, well, I think I'm right. You think I'm wrong? That's fine. I'm looking forward to the match. And now the next match right here between Nyla Rose and Chris Statlander, a rematch from Revolution 2020 when Nyla Rose was the AEW Women's World Champion and her first challenger was Chris Statlander. So this is a big match right here because Nyla Rose is up there in the rankings and so is Chris Statlander. So it's a big match right here. And we're all tired of seeing Nyla Rose get title match after title match like against Cheetah and then against Baker. It's like, okay, can you step to the sideline just a little bit and give somebody else a chance? It seems like... You know, and ever since Vicky Guerrero has come in, you know, to be Nyla Rose's manager, she just hasn't been doing good at all. She has been winning the big matches. You know, so maybe, maybe Vicky, maybe Vicky's really not, really not good help for, uh, for Nyla at all. Just, she's really not. So maybe they're going to end that partnership pretty soon. This match was pretty short, but Statlander looked very good in this match. You know, granted, she was a little bit rusty when she came back, you know. I mean, she did... I think it wasn't, didn't she tear like her ACL? So that's, you know, it takes a while, you know, you get back in the ring and you do a whole bunch of shit and everything, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. But yeah, Statlander and Rose put on a good match, you know, Vicky Guerrero screeched in Orange Cassidy's ears and he was fucking in pain because of that. And then Statlander, you know, powerbomb Nyla Rose, a great powerbomb. And then she had a finisher from the top row, was like Area 451, something like that. Yeah, that's what it was called. And then she got the W over Nyla Rose. It was a quick match, but that's a huge win. That's a lot of momentum for Chris Statlander. And now we'll see if she'll take on Britt Baker or Red Velvet. We're going to talk about Rampage in just a few minutes. But yeah, like I said, short match, but a big win for Statlander. Statlander is easily one of my favorites in AEW, you know, as a, as a women's wrestler. And I would love to see her get a chance at the title again. You know, I, I think eventually she will win the belt, but... You know, we'll see when it'll happen. I don't think it's going to happen this year. Maybe sometime next year it'll happen. I can't see it happening this year, though. But I could be wrong. Um, but now we do get to the next segment involving Britt Baker's Tony Schiavone's in the ring, waiting for his girl to come out. And Britt Baker, she comes out, the hometown entrance. Pittsburgh loves her, obviously. You know, she had the Pittsburgh Pirates on her jacket, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was a really cool black and gold jacket. Pittsburgh was waving the terrible towels all over the place. They love her. It was great. You know, and she basically said, like, Red Velvet's not, like, on her level, you know. Like, she can't relate to her because she's always been on top. And she's right. She's always been on top of the AEW Women's Division, Britt Baker. It's her division. I've been saying that for so many months. I've been saying for almost a year. It's her division. It didn't matter when Cheetah was champion, when Nyla Rose was champion prior. Or even... Even when Riho was champion, it's Britt Baker's division. Uh, you know, I don't know who, who division, whose division is going to be after Britt Baker, you know, loses the title eventually. It still might be her division because she's that damn good. She is that damn good. She's amazing. And, um, you know, she rose up, her, you know, she rose up her championship and said, here's hope. For Pittsburgh right here like here's hope right here because you know Pittsburgh has went through a lot you know sports wise the Pirates have been horrible the last few years you know they've had they had a bright future but they got rid of Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows for Chris Archer and that didn't work out so well especially when they traded Garrett Cole before that and Andrew McCutcheon before that you know it's all like 
they're a very cheap team, the Pirates. They really are. And then the Penguins getting bounced by New York Islanders in the first round. Sorry, Doc. You know, it is what it is. I still love you, though. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were 11-0, and and then they crumbled and lost in the wild card game to the Cleveland Browns, which is pretty unexpected. You know, because the Browns, are they were a laughing stock, but now they're no longer. So Britt Baker, you know, holding up her championship gives the city of Pittsburgh hope right there. But after the segment was done, Red Velvet came out and she attacked Britt Baker and they brawled a little bit. You know, not much. Because you got to, you know, <laughs> you know, you don't want to do too much. You got the match coming up on Rampage. You got to be a little bit careful. You don't want to do too much and risk any injury. And Britt Baker's wrestling with a broken wrist. It's amazing that she's still going, you know. You know, I'm sure they've asked her to take time off, but you think she wants you think any wrestler wants to take time off or any athlete when they get hurt, they want to keep on going. They want to keep on going. That's why I love the grit and determination of Britt Baker. But now we get to the next match here on Dynamite for the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Titles. We saw Scott DeMore, Scott DeMore on a commentary, and he's one of the executives at TNA or Impact. I still call it TNA, so bear with me on that one. So the Good Brothers, Machine Gun Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions versus Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order. This was a great match, but it had a bullshit fucking ending, and I was super pissed at it. Because I really wanted Uno and Grayson to win. Because, you know, they're easily one of my favorite tag teams here in AEW. Because Evil Uno, when he came to AEW, he was a little bit out of shape. But over the last year, he has gotten into such great shape. He's a great athlete in the ring. Stu Grayson, he's going to be a huge star in AEW. People have been saying that for months. He's a very... Very good wrestler. He reminds me a lot of Cesaro. Like, even though the blade kind of looks a little bit more like Cesaro, Stu Grayson reminds me of Cesaro, reminds me of Cesaro wrestling-wise because he's extremely underrated. Extremely underrated. And I think he can have a huge run by himself in the future. I believe he can. I definitely believe he can. You know, hopefully Stu Grayson doesn't get underutilized like Cesaro has in the other company, you know. I'm just saying, I'm just stating the facts. I'm not taking shots. I'm only stating the facts. If I want to take shots, I would be saying random shit. I'm just stating the facts. You don't like it? Well, turn turn my podcast off. It's not for you. Feelings hurt? Uh, well, I'm not sorry. So, too bad. Can't handle the heat? Stay out of the kitchen. So, that's a King MGJ line right there. So, I stole that from him. I'll tell him I did that. If he listens to this, well, listen, buddy, I love you. I'll see you on Monday. But, um, <laughs> um, and the match was good. The match was good, though. Back to the match, it was good. You know, and Stu Grace and Evil Uno were both going for their finish. They were going for their finisher. And Stu Grace is on the top rope. And then Doc Owls threw, you know, one of the belts in the ring. And the referee was distracted. And Doc Owls hit Stu Grayson, who was on the top rope. And Carl Anderson, Machine Gun Carl Anderson, hit a cutter on Evil Uno. And then Anderson Gallows hit a Magic Killer on Stu Grayson. One, two, three. The Good Brothers retained the Impact Wrestling Tag Team titles. And I'm like, I mean, I like the Good Brothers, but come on. They couldn't give it to Uno or Grayson. Like, that would have been, to both Uno and Grayson, I should say, that would have been really great. It would have been awesome. I guess just not their time yet. They've been in so many big matches, too, and they haven't won. I mean, come on. When's it going to be their time to win? It's got to be eventually. It is what it is, though. But next segment, we saw Tony Schiavone back in the ring, this time with the factory, Nick Camarado, Aaron Solo, and QT Marshall. 
you know, and it was going to be the whole thing where QT Marshall was going to apologize to Tony Schiavone, but he said, you know, I'm not apologizing to you, I'm apologizing what we're going to do to your son. And Chris Schiavone, who's Tony Schiavone's real-life son, was at ringside, you know, he was sitting in the crowd, and Nick Camarado grabbed him right out of the crowd, threw him in the ring, and Solo was holding him down, and Nick Camarado was holding down Tony, and then QT Marshall made Tony Schiavone apologize for everything. Like, I guess you could say, like, what he said about the factory and what he said about QT... Tony apologized, and QT said apology not accepted, and he had a cutter on a Chris Schiavone. So Chris Schiavone took a bump right there, and he wants to be a wrestler, so that would be really cool to see you know, Chris Schiavone wrestle, and Tony Schiavone you know, calls his matches. That would be awesome. You know, and I thought, like, because he did, like, the DDP pose, you know, Diamond Dallas Page pose, QT Marshall, and I, I thought, like, right away, when the music hit, I thought it was uh, Diamond Dallas Page, but no... It was Paul White. We haven't seen Paul White on Dynamite since his debut in AEW back on March 3rd this year. So finally he's back on Dynamite or AEW Dynamite TV. We know he's on Elevation with um, Tony Schiavone on commentary. And he was at Double or Nothing, you know, commentating for the uh, Casino Battle Royal. It was about time, you know, seeing him on Dynamite TV. That was really cool. You know, he was staring down QT Marshall and then QT Marshall just threw... Aaron Solo right to him and then a big choke slam. First move we've seen Paul White do in a long time. You know, we knew eventually he was gonna wrestle. We knew eventually he was gonna wrestle. So I guess his first match is probably gonna be against QT Marshall. I mean, it's like uh, I mean I don't know how that match is gonna be. I mean I mean QT's not a bad worker to be honest. I don't like his character. He's not a bad worker, in my opinion. I think he's a you know He's actually a good worker, QT. Just his character is not that good. If he was a great character, then I would love him. But him as a heel is very cringe. Even when he was a babyface, he was a little bit cringe. He was much better as a babyface, I would say. But good worker, just not a great character. It just doesn't fit him. He just he just looks like a bootleg Tony Soprano. He really does with the bowling shirt. You know, just he just really does. It just doesn't fit me. I mean, he's from Jersey, so <laughs> that's what Tony Soprano is from. Oh my gosh. Speaking of, you know, Tony Soprano, I can't wait to see the Many Saints of Newark when that comes out on October 1st. I might go there the first day it comes out. You already know. Can't wait to see it. Hopefully, a lot of you guys, huge Soprano fans out there, waiting to see it too, just like I am. But now we do get to the main event of the evening here on Dynamite. The Demo God, Le Champion, my all time favorite wrestler, Chris Jericho versus Wardlow in labor number four of Jericho. And there is no stipulation to this match. The only, like, quirk you could say is MJF being at ringside. That's it. It's a clean match right here, you know. Of course, Jericho can't have anybody interfere on his behalf or the deals all between him and MJF. So, basically, there's no, like, tactics right here. Like, Jericho can do whatever he wants in this match. And I feel like Jericho, like, especially, you know, even like before Dynamite really got started, before the first match, I forgot to mention, like, you know, we saw... MJF and Wardlow backstage, you know, and MJF, you know, saying if Jericho gets to labor number five, of course, you know, he's going to beat him and all that. And Wardlow said he's not going to get to labor number five. He's going to beat him. And then MJF said, just like you beat Cody Rhodes in the cage. And I was like, mm, that was Wardlow's first match in, a, in AEW. And that was a really good match. And there is tension between MJF and Wardlow because MJF told him to get the job done. And MJF was eating an apple and he put it in Wardlow's hand and he just crushed it as MJF walked away. So there's a lot of tension. I mean, they, they've been building tension between Wardlow and MJF. They did it last year. 
after All Out, after Wardlow did, you know, cost MJF the world championship against John Moxley, and you know, and Dynamite after that, you know, Wardlow was getting in his face after MJF was insulting him. So there is a little bit of heat right there. This isn't just new. It's been building for a year. Maybe Wardlow is getting extremely tired of his shit. And maybe he's going to leave the pinnacle and go on his own. And he deserves to. He deserves to go on his own. He's a great big man, great worker. I let you know. He hasn't talked as much, you know. But I think he could be a really good worker by himself. You know, but this match between Jericho and Wardlow, I mean, it was okay. You know, it was mostly Wardlow destroying Jericho. So they made Wardlow look good. It was it was kind of hard to get into this match. I mean, MJF kind of kept it, like, you know, up there where you would care because MJF is a fucking asshole. So, of course, you know, <laughs> he makes you care about it just a little bit. So, the match itself, I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch it again. You know, this match right here between Jericho and Wardlow makes the fucking Cody Rhodes-Wardlow match look like a five-star match. And that match was really good. I'm just saying, this match was just, eh... Should have been the main event. Yeah, it had to be, but it was just... Eh. Was it the worst match out of the you know labors of Jericho? I would say yes. Number one would be against Gage. I would say number two would be against Sean Spears. Number three would be uh, Hoover And this one, yeah, Warlow would be number four. It, it just wasn't that good. It was really exciting. I mean, it was great to see Warlow powerbomb over and over again. So he was really destroying Jericho. They made him look really strong. And after Wardlow hit the F10, then he was going to hit his other finisher where he hits you with his knee and knocks you out from the top rope. But Jericho countered it, put him in the walls of Jericho. And MJF, you know, referee, Aubrey Edwards didn't see it. MJF, you know, poked Jericho in the eyes. And then MJF got in the ring. He was going to hand Wardlow, it looked like the ring he was going to hand him so he could knock out Jericho. But Aubrey Edwards caught him. She threw him out. Jericho grabbed Floyd, the bat. Hit Warlow with it, then hit the Judas Effect, one, two, three. Chris Jericho survived all labors to get to MJF. So after the match, we did see Sean Spears go after Jericho, and then Sammy Guevara came out to help, and then Warlow was going after him, and then MJF got involved, and then Jake Hager came running in, and everybody else ran off. So then MJF makes the announcement now. So next week, officially on Dynamite, it will be MJF. Versus Chris Jericho in labor number five. But here's the stipulation. Chris Jericho cannot use the Judas Effect. If he uses the Judas Effect on MJF, MJF automatically wins. So that's one finisher taken out of Jericho's arsenal. He can't do it at all. And also he cannot come out to his theme song, Judas. So I'm like, shit, we're not going to hear fucking Judas... This week coming up, come on, fuck. I mean, the crowd was pissed, you could tell. A lot of people were pissed about that. I'm sure people in Houston are going to be pissed too. They're like, oh, we're not going to hear his music? Like, fuck. Like, uh, all right, fine, whatever. Well, you know, that's stipulation for next week. So now, next next week's car definitely looks better than this one. Because AEW Dynamite did hit 989,000 in viewership, which... It's not bad. I mean, the viewership did drop. It's understandably, like, why it did because, I mean, I mean, the card was kind of weak, though. It was. That's not an excuse. It's definitely not an excuse at all. I'm just saying. Like, it was just, eh. I can understand why they didn't hit, you know, over a million. I think next week they will. 
And we'll get to that after we talk about Rampage. So let's get to AW Rampage. So on commentary, we had Excalibur, Chris Jericho, Taz, and Mark Henry. And we get to the first match of the night right here for the Impact Wrestling World Championship. The Impact Wrestling World Champion Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. The first ever match in Rampage history. And I got to say, this match did not disappoint. I'm looking forward to their match at All Out. Because these two tore the house down. And I've been hearing comparisons about Christian Cage getting a title match against Kenny. The whole thing with Goldberg is I don't watch WWE anymore, but I know Goldberg is getting a title shot against Bobby Lashley. And people are like, all the E-drones are like, oh, how come people complain about Goldberg getting a title match, but they're not complaining about Christian Cage getting a world title match? Here's the difference, Mark. Goldberg can't even wrestle a five-minute match anymore. You look at his match with Drew McIntyre. Look at his whole feud and match with Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble this year. It was the shit. And Goldberg got hurt during the match. I think he got hurt before the match even started when they were brawling outside the ring. I mean, this guy doesn't belong in the ring. Yes, he still has the look. He still looks like a big guy. Yes, he's in great shape. But he can't wrestle anymore. He can't go anymore. He just can't. Goldberg's second run in WWE has been horrible for what happened with him and Brock Lesnar. That match should not have been a minute, what was it, like a minute 20? All those people paid for that match, and they got a one-minute match? I mean, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, seriously? Because I actually fell asleep that night because I was very tired. Not because Survivor Series was boring, not, like, not at all. It was actually exciting. I was just very tired that night, and I woke up the next morning, and I saw the match was a minute. And I watch, you could just go watch it on YouTube for a minute. Like, that's it. That's a full match. Like, I've seen it. It's like, that was it? I believe I saw it the next day. I was like, are you kidding me? That was it right there? Like, oh, my God. And the difference between these two, you know, Christian Cage can still wrestle, and he wrestles on Dynamite. Goldberg hasn't wrestled on Monday Night Raw since 2004. And I don't believe he ever wrestled on SmackDown. I don't believe he ever did. He appeared on SmackDown, but I don't think he ever wrestled there. So he hasn't wrestled on Monday Night Raw in fucking 17 years. At least Christian Cage is wrestling on Dynamite. Now he wrestled on Rampage. He isn't a part-timer. He's still got it. For a guy that's been on the ring for seven years, he's still got it. This is a guy that was dealing with concussion problems, and now he's back in the ring. Of course, it's a concern right there because concussions are fucking terrible, obviously. Or any injury, mostly concussions, I would say. It's still amazing that he could still go Christian Cage. Goldberg cannot, so don't compare the two. Goldberg's wrestled three matches in one, like the last year. Look at the match Christian Cage. He's just gotten to AEW a few months ago, and he's wrestled more matches than Goldberg has in a year. I mean, come on, guys. Seriously? I mean, what you could say, oh, but Goldberg can't really go anywhere. Then he shouldn't be in the ring. And I would criticize Goldberg if he was in AEW. You could say, I have said I'm an AEW mark, because I am. But I would absolutely criticize AEW if Goldberg was in an AEW ring wrestling. Unless if he wrestles a competitive match. Not two minutes, three minutes. No, that's not, that's, come on. Especially, especially for a big match? Come on, that just can't happen. It simply can't. Especially for the world title? No. And he's done nothing to earn a world title match. Christian Cage has worked his way up in the ranks. 
to get a title match. He's the number one contender because he actually wrestled on like Goldberg. Because WWE doesn't like to do the storytelling more. They're just fucking lazy. Goldberg's getting a title match out of the random. John Cena, I love John Cena, my all-time favorite WWE wrestler. But he's getting a title shot out of the random. It makes no sense. He did nothing to earn it. At least have him wrestle a couple matches. I mean, oh my god. It's unbelievable. But you guys still want to support WWE? That's, that's fine by you. But you're supporting a company that doesn't really make sense. And you can say AEW with some things they, they do that doesn't make sense. That's very fair. That's a very good criticism. Now, okay, some of the things they have done doesn't make sense. I understand that. And I've criticized them for it. You, you don't believe me? Well, listen to my old reviews. Or even here in the recent ones, I've criticized them with some things. Jesus, guys. I mean, you got to use your brain. You got to use your brain. You have, you have a brain. God gave you a brain. Fucking know how to use it. Get it out of your ass. Simple, like, oh my god. I mean, I don't know if people are just trolling on Twitter, because you just don't even know these days if somebody's trolling, if somebody's being serious. There's a lot of brain-dead people in this world. I mean, maybe I'm just really pissed off because I was on my walk and fucking people were in my way constantly, which I really can't stand. If you're in my fucking way, get the fuck out of my way. You know, I can't stand when people walk so fucking slow, and when they see you coming, they're just like, they're like like zombies. They're like, oh, should I move? Should I just stay in the middle of the sidewalk? Like, fuck, man. I, I hate people. I even told... Woman, a woman at Seatown, you know, I, I talked to a lot. I said, I hate these motherfuckers out here. I hate people. The last thing I said was, the last thing I said was, I hate these motherfuckers. And one of the guys that were online were fucking laughing. That's just how I feel. I don't like people. I don't. Maybe I'm Cornette's son. I don't know. Maybe I am. Shit. I might send this to him after this. You can listen to it. Fuck, like dad? Is that uh, my son? Shit. Oh my god. Well, I mean, he hates AEW. I, I love it. So, well, he doesn't. He likes some parts of AEW. I shouldn't say he full on hates it. So, that, that's false. You know, I, I know that he likes some of it. So, I can't say he hates all of it. You know, want, me, me and him do have one thing in common. We do hate Vince Russo. And I never met Vince Russo. I tell Vince Russo go fuck himself in person. Don't believe me? I, I would do it. I'll get it on camera then. He doesn't live in New York. He lives in Colorado. So, I can't do that. Unless he came to New York or I go to Colorado. Fuck. Okay, back to the match, and aside from my hatred of fucking people, and I hate everybody, I'm just saying, doesn't matter who you are, I don't fucking like you. Unless if I get to know you, that's a different story. But just random people, I really don't like fucking people at all. I really don't. God, I sound like such an angry person, but I am, so I'm happy that I am. I really don't give a shit. Back to the match between Kenny and Cage, Christian Cage to be exact. These two put on a really good match, like I mentioned. They really did. They absolutely did. And this was a big test, though, for Christian Cage, though. Because he's wrestling Kenny Omega at All Out. This was a big test. Okay, like, now we wrestle on Rampage, right? The first ever match on Rampage. Let's see what Christian Cage can do. And these two guys hit it out of the park. It was a grand slam out of the ballpark. I thought it was good. You know, Kenny Omega has been wrestling hurt, has been put on great match after great match, like, you know, with Jungle Boy, you know, stuff that he's done in TNA and the story with Hangman when he was in the uh, the 10-man match, you know, and then working here with Christian Cage, he's going to work with him for All Out, he's working with Andrade tonight for the AAA title, so he's really, you know... He, 
you know, Kenny's just been on fire. He really has. You know, but these two put on a really, really good match. Crowd was hot. They were, like, standing up, like, the whole match. They were getting hype. And I had a feeling Christian Cage was going to win the Impact Wrestling title. You know, towards the end of the match, I started to lose a little bit of hope because Kenny was hitting the V-triggers. He was going for the one-winged angel, couldn't hit it. And Christian Cage, you know, hit him with a spear. You know, 1-2, 2.99, like Excalibur said. So close. But then Don Callis got involved, and then Kenny Omega hit Christian Cage with a low blow. Referee didn't see it. And what was his name? Like, was it like uh, was it like Dave Hem- Hebner was his name, something like that? Like the son of Earl Hebner, Hebner, I should say. That was pretty cool, though, to see him there. I was like, he looks very familiar. And then we saw the Young Bucks come in, and they put a chair in the ring, and uh, fucking Kenny Omega was going to hit the one-winged angel on Christian Cage on the chair, the same way Kenny beat John Moxley in the uh, exploding barbed wire death match back at Revolution, but we don't want to talk about that match. See, I criticize AEW for that, because that was a very bad ending, like, but that's besides the point. Christian Cage countered it, hit the kill switch on the chair, and the sell by Kenny was perfect. Referee finally turns finally turns back into the match. Christian Cage goes to the pin. One, two, three. We have a new Impact Wrestling World Champion. And his name is Christian Cage. What a fucking match. You saw in the replay, Don Callis tried to get in the ring, but he fucking slipped. On the two count right there. That was fucking great. Water match. Jurassic Express came out. They were celebrating with Christian Cage. It was an awesome moment. So this is where the decline starts for Kenny. He loses the Impact Wrestling title to Christian Cage. He's going to lose tonight, I believe, to Andrade for the AAA title. And then when Hangman comes back, he's winning the big one. He's winning the big one. And that's why I think Kenny's going to take time off a while. Because he has, but like I said... He's been wrestling injured. So when he'll wrestle Hangman, that'll be at full gear in November. Because Christian Cage is not beating him for the AEW World title. That's just not going to happen. You know, some people may want it to happen. Like, I wouldn't mind it. But if Hangman wasn't such a big star, I mean, come on. Look at the star that Hangman's turned out to be. How could you not want Hangman to win the title? He's the guy to dethrone Kenny. You could say anybody else. No, nobody else. Like, what, Hangman's going to be Christian Cage? That doesn't make sense. It wouldn't feel the same. Like, all the storylines that we've seen with Hangman and Kenny, especially with the Elite, you know, it makes sense. You know what I mean? It's going to feel right. If he beat Christian Cage for the belts, it just wouldn't feel right. You'd be like, really? No, he's got to beat Kenny. But great match. And then we, we saw backstage when they got back from commercial. Mark Henry was interviewing Christian Cage, the new Impact Wrestling World Champ. We did see Orange Cassidy in the background. Staring down Christian Cage. Or just doing his whole lazy gimmick there. So it looks like we are going to get Christian Cage versus Orange Cassidy for the Impact Wrestling title pretty soon. I wouldn't mind that. I don't... Well, obviously, Cassidy is not going to win unless they do it on pay-per-view in the future. Then I would believe so. But I don't think Cassidy's winning that belt like on Dynamite or Rampage. But Christian Cage was happy. Mark Henry was happy for him. And now he said it's time to win the big one. You know, it's almost going to seem very impossible to win the big one, but now he says he's in Kenny's head because now he just beat Kenny. He just beat Kenny now. So now, what can Kenny do? Kenny tried all the tricks in the book to beat Christian Cage, and it didn't work. He tried to cheat, so maybe he's got to beat Christian Cage clean because nobody's ever kicked out of the one-winged angel. 
So once he hits it, you know that match is over. Unless, because Hangman's going to be the guy to kick out of it. We'll see, though. It was a nice little celebration. It was great. But now we get to the TNT title match between the Redeemer Miro and Fuego Del Sol. So Fuego Del Sol wins, obviously, wins the TNT championship. And he gets a contract in AEW. And seeing the video package for Fuego and Miro and Fuego Del Sol saying, God's favorite champions about to be baptized in fire. That was fucking great. Like, you know, I don't watch Dark or Elevation. You know, I've seen highlights of Fuego. And obviously, I've seen him on Sammy Guevara's vlog. He's a damn good wrestler. He's 1-39. You know, people have been begging AEW to give him a contract. You know, he came in as an independent guy when the pandemic started. He was going there every week. You know, not signed. Well, same for the Varsity Blondes. They weren't signed either until they finally got signed. And the match between here between Fuego and Miro was very short. Like, right before the match even started, Fuego hit the Tornado DDT on Miro before the bell even rang. I was like, holy shit. Like, Fuego's jumping the gun right here. Like, he's going right after him. And the bell rang. And then he did it again, but it knocked Miro out, out of the ring. So I'm sure Fuego would have taken a count-out victory. He, would have, he wouldn't have won the belt, but he would have got the contract. And then he would have gotten a rematch, obviously. Because he beat the champion. But Miro got back in the ring at the count of nine. Fuego hit another Tornado DDT. One, two. And Miro kicked out. And I was like, oh, shit. I really thought Fuego was going to win. And he went to the top rope. Miro caught him. Hit a Samoan drop, and then Fuego gets back up. Miro knocked him out with a super kick and said, game over. Put him in the submission hole, bent him back. Fuego tapped out right away, and Miro retains the TNT title. In his sixth title defense, Miro is now 6-0, and he's still undefeated here in AEW. Like, Fuego got his shit in right there on Miro, but Miro just squashed him after that. That was it. He was done. He got his offense in, but it, was, it wasn't enough. So Fuego does not get a contract. Miro ripped it up. But we get back from commercial. Fuego's still in the ring. And then we hear Sammy Guevara's music. He comes out with Tony Khan. The first time Tony Khan has appeared on national television. Because he did appear on AW Dark Elevation. And the whole nine days from tonight. That whole promo. I mean, let's just forget about that one. That was, uh, I mean, I get, to- you know, the thing with Tony Khan is, I think he's a very nervous kind of guy. Like, I know people have said, like, oh, he's on coke. Like, I know they're joking, obviously. I mean, they're just joking around. They're busting balls, obviously. I just think with Tony Khan, I think he gets, like, camera shy. You know, he's not used to the wrestling business, you know, grabbing a microphone and talking. You know, he's not like Vince McMahon as an owner or Eric Bischoff. That's different. That's two different things. Or Dixie Carter with TNA. That's different people we're talking about here. Like, Tony Khan's still young to the wrestling business. He'll obviously come out there and cut a really good promo in the future. Or when he does the whole video packages thing that he was doing with TNA. Those were good. Because you're not talking to a, like, well, you're not, like, doing it live. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm sure they did different takes or whatever. But, you know, he just seems like a very, like, like, very, like, camera shy kind of guy. Like, you know, you know what I mean? He just seems like, he just seems like very, like, not, like, socially awkward. He just, a little bit quirky, I would say. But it's in a good way. It's in a good way, though. But he came out. He hugged Sammy Guevara twice. You can just tell that Tony Khan does love his wrestlers, though. He does. It's a very different relationship you see between wrestlers with Tony Khan with the wrestlers and Vince McMahon with the wrestlers. Different relationships. And we know Vince has great relationships with a lot of the wrestlers. You know, a lot of the main guys he does, but not everybody. 
you know, with Tony Khan, it's a different story. It's a very, it's a very different story with him. Um, but yeah, Sammy Guevara comes down. He has a contract. He has a contract. He gets in the ring and tells Fuego, you know, you've been here. You know, you're one. In, well, he was one in four. Now one in fifty, but basically the same shit, or whatever. Um, <laughs> but even though Fuego lost, he still won because he got a contract. And Fuego is all elite. Fuego del Sol is officially all elite. And I couldn't be happier for him. I couldn't be any more happier for him. What a moment between him and Sammy. Fuego del Sol has busted his ass on dark and dark elevation. You know, and he, you know, obviously the match with Miro was short. But he deserved it. He deserved this contract. He's been working his ass off. He absolutely fucking deserves it. And I couldn't be any more happy for him. I was extremely happy for him. Was very, very happy for him. So what a moment though. It was great. So now we look forward to... We'll talk about Dynamite after Rampage actually. Because we did see Darby Allen in the rafters with Sting. And they were showing the whole you know, video package for next week in Chicago. The first dance. I thought maybe we're going to see CM Punk. But nope, nothing yet. It's like, fuck. Like, come on. I think what's going to happen, we'll t- I'll talk about it at the end right here, because now let's get to our main event. Between Dr. Britt Baker, the AEW Women's World Champion, versus Red Velvet. And Red Velvet, you know, this is like her second biggest match, or maybe like third, you could say, biggest match of, uh, of her career. Because she had that big match with her and Cody versus Jade Cargill and Shaq. And then, you know, she had a really big match against Serena Deep for the NWA Women's World Title back in May. And the match was like the old Shaq match back in March. So this is a big match for Red Velvet. She was getting fucking heat in Pittsburgh. She was getting booed out of that fucking building. Britt Baker, obviously the hometown welcome. These two ladies in the first ever main event rampage, they got to main event. Britt Baker's now... This is the second women's main event here in AEW. And Britt Baker's now been part of both of them. And Red Velvet really showcased herself a lot in this main event. It was a lot of pressure, I'm sure, on her. Because now your main event's in here. It's live. This isn't taped right here. There's no, like, it's not an empty arena. They're in front of a sellout. Well, I don't know if it was a sellout crowd. There's a lot of people there, obviously. Now it's time to show out. And Red Velvet absolutely did that. And Britt Baker did the same thing. You know, and Red Velvet, you know, she was hesitating going after the bad wrist. She hesitated to do it. She wasn't showing any heel tendencies. She was still being a babyface. She was not going after the broken wrist. She wasn't taking advantage. I guess you could say, well, she didn't want to be unfair. I mean, that, that, that's fair to say. But towards, like, later on in the match, she was going after the wrist, and then Rebel got kicked out from ringside. She kept on getting involved. You know, before the Red Velvet, like, ripped off, like, the cast that uh, Britt Baker had on her wrist, the broken wrist. You know. Oh, my God, of course this fucking asshole's got to rev up his fucking engine as I'm getting towards the end of the episode. Like, fucking really amazing. Re- really amazing. But, like I said, towards the end of this match, it was getting really good, you know, between Red Velvet and Britt Baker. You know, I was really enjoying it. Sorry, guys, this guy's a fucking asshole. He's a real douchebag. He really is. But, um, I'm going to scream something as he's driving away. I want to scream something right now, but... You know, towards the end of the match, you know, I thought Red Velvet was probably going to win. She had a nice 
moonsault from the top rope, and I really thought she was going to win the match. She was really close. Fucking douchebag! I told her I was going to say something. I don't give a shit. Match was getting really good, like, towards the end between these two. I don't give a shit. The guy fucking turned around. I ain't gonna fucking run away. I'll get in this fucking face. Fucking piece of shit. I was revving up his fucking engine. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry about that. Probably gonna get a complaint later on, but you know, I don't give a fuck. You know, pisses me the fuck off. So just get away with it. But, um, yeah, after the moon saw the Red Velvet was gonna win. But she was close. just didn't happen. Um... I'm trying to put my focus back on AEW right here because fucking this fucking asshole. I'm like, fuck, I like to punch him in his fucking face. Just a real piece of shit. You know, and I'm sorry because, you know, like the neighbor I live in with this fucking guy, like, revving up his fucking engine. doesn't do it all the time, but it's just annoying. Like, he thinks he's so fucking cool. He's got a fancy car. You know, you got a small cock, dude. I know a lot of people like to fuck your wife and everything, you know. I know you enjoy that because you're a little cuck. You know, you're a very sad cuck, you know. I'm sorry, but it is what it is, buddy. I don't give a shit. I know. Let, me, let me get back to AEW, though. But back to the match. Oh, my gosh. I always lose my focus a lot. I get like that. I'm sorry. I'm actually sorry about that. But, yeah. There was a Britt Baker trying to go for the lockjaw and trying to do it with a broken wrist. Didn't work. It didn't work, though. Um, and then Red Velvet tried to do it on her. I think, no, that was before, actually. She put it, Red Velvet put it right on Britt Baker before Britt Baker tried to put it on her. So imagine that Red Velvet trying to win with Pre Baker submission in Pittsburgh. Imagine that shit. Fuck, man. She would have got nuclear heat after that. Like amazing nuclear heat, like easily. But you know, it was really entertaining though. It was something. But then Britt Baker, you know, got the lockjaw in. She was trying to put it in with a broken wrist. Didn't work. She went the other way, though. She went reverse like a switch hitter in baseball. Went the other way. Got the lockjaw in. Red Velvet tapped out right away, and that was it. Britt Baker retains the AEW Women's World title. And after the match, she went right after Red Velvet. She was attacking her. And then Chris Statlander came in to help. And then we saw the returning Jamie Hayter, who hasn't been on AEW TV in two long years. And Britt Baker's been saying she needs help recently. Or she's going to bring in more backup. Jamie Hayter is that backup. And Jamie Hayter's first match in AEW was against Britt Baker. Her first match on Dynamite was against Britt Baker uh, October 23rd in Pittsburgh. So she was against Britt Baker in Pittsburgh. And now fast forward two years later, she's with Britt Baker in Pittsburgh. So amazing, right? It's pretty good long-term storytelling. Then Britt Baker hit a curb stomp on the title, Red Velvet. And that was it right there. So Britt Baker is still our AEW Women's World Champion. Now let's look to Dynamite for next week. So now we know it's going to be the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, AEW World Tag Team Champions. Versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Jurassic Express for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. We got Sean Spears versus Sammy Guevara. And Sammy Guevara is going to make a major announcement after that. Can't wait to hear it. Maybe he's going to go after Miro. Or maybe he's going to challenge Miro for the TNT title. That would be interesting because Miro beat his best friend, so it makes sense. And maybe Sammy and Fuego could do something in the future where Fuego wins it from Sammy. Maybe do a whole story there. 
Like, don't do it too quick, though. Make it long-term, obviously. We also got MJF versus Chris Jericho. Most likely, it will be the main event. It's the labor number five. Jericho was saying he must beat MJF, but he cannot use the Judas effect, and he cannot come out to Judas the theme song. He cannot do that. So we'll see. See how the match turns out. And also, we got Darby Allen and Sting versus 2.0. The first match Sting has had on TNT in 20 fucking years. Can't wait to see it. And what I think is going to happen at this match, I think we're going to see a video package and we're going to see CM Punk because Darby Allen, I think Darby Allen and CM Punk are going to go at it at AEW Rampage next week. That'll be CM Punk's first match. That's my prediction. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. CM Punk might just show up at Rampage like with a surprise for Darby Allen. Like Darby Allen maybe will wrestle somebody else. But that's my prediction. I could be wrong. You know, I've been wrong with a lot of predictions. I've been right with a lot of predictions. So I've been 50-50. We'll see what happens, though. But, okay. For future references, I will not be doing, you know, AEW Dynamite and AEW Rampage in the same episode all the time. I only did it here because I didn't have time to review Dynamite Thursday and yesterday. I didn't have any time. So that's why, you know, I smushed it all in today. But for the future, that will not happen. Like, for Dynamite next week, I'll definitely talk about that on Thursday and Rampage. And I'll talk about that Saturday. But all right, guys, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your night. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. If there's any news that pops up in sports, I'm waiting for my Islanders to make some more signings. You know, I'm just waiting to talk about it or any other big moves that happen. I'll talk about with you guys. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your night, and I'll talk to you guys pretty soon. Love you guys. Thank you for listening, and talk to you guys soon. Good night, guys.